This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. Hello and welcome to the AgriFutures On Air podcast. My name is Steve Honor, and you may have heard me hosting our sister podcast, Evoke Ag. Have you ever been hacked? Besides the economic loss, the impact can be devastating and continue long after the actual incident. This week, while our regular podcaster Chris Brown takes a break, we focus on cybersecurity with a particular focus on agriculture. It follows a new report by BDO and commissioned by AgriFutures Australia that found the adoption of new technologies increases the likelihood of a potentially devastating cybersecurity incident. And just having antivirus software and a long password isn't going to cut it anymore. BDO partner of cybersecurity John Borchi discusses what a cyber attack looks like, why it normally begins with an email, and what you can do to prevent it. John spoke with AgriFutures podcaster Joe Mazzocchi. With me today is John Borchi, who is a partner in cybersecurity at BDO. Welcome, John. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're discussing cybersecurity, particularly in agriculture. And I suppose there's no greater example, John, than the wool sales that were shut down in Australia for over a week in February 2020. What can you tell us about that? I think that was a good example of what can happen in this industry. It was a very basic hacking attack. So it was an email opened stopped the business from working through blocking it from being able to access its information. And then there was a lot of work to um, get the infection out and to get access back. So that actually happens on a daily basis across a number of sectors. More recently, earlier this year, we had another one in the meatworks with, with, um, in Australia as well. So it's not something unique. And uh, it's an example that it's starting to happen more and more often. And starting to happen more and more often in agriculture? Yeah, and I think, you know, what what we're talking about today is to raise that awareness that this is not just science fiction that happens in the movies. It's something that's occurring more and more in agriculture across agri, forestry and fisheries as well. And what we need to know is uh, how does this happen? What do we need to do to protect ourselves? And these, these are in the report that we've got. Well, that's a great segue. Your report, the BDO report, Cybersecurity Threats, Are We Prepared? Tell us about perhaps um, the methodology used in finding out what producers and farmers think about cybersecurity. Yeah, well, um, the reason we teamed up with AgriFutures on this is because it's um, an unknown entity in the agribusiness in Australia as to what's happening in take up of technology and whether people are aware of cybersecurity threats and what what they're doing about it. So we didn't want to make up the story. We started by doing a survey of all the people in the sector, whether they're small, medium or large businesses, because the sector is quite diverse as well. And uh, we didn't want to leave anyone out. And that survey gave us the first glimpse of what the primary producers themselves are going through and what they think is happening. And we also engaged the research and development companies as well as a few supply chain people 
and some technology people as well. And what did the farmers and the producers say to you? Did, did they say, for example, that it is an issue for them? Yeah, I think um, there, there were two themes, I guess. One is that they probably thought they knew more than they did about cyber threats. And I guess that's a symptom of what happens when you you don't understand the, the uh, issue well enough. So what they thought about was, you know, do I have antivirus? Do I have an IT person who comes and helps me when there's a problem? Do I check my password and, and change it? But it's much more than that. These things are the very basic things and cybersecurity is a lot broader. And the, the other theme was that some of those basic things weren't being done. So understanding where the information is, what's critical to their business, what technology they use and how they use it, what happens if it's not available, if someone stops them from being able to use it, asking themselves, you know, who are their customers? Do they have clear information about them? Who are their suppliers? Who's in their supply chain? How they work together? What the risks are that that uh, are introduced in that you know, supply chain? How do you catch those uh, attackers from coming in? You know, what sort of things do you look out for? So there's lack of awareness and, and training as well. So the, the report didn't want to focus on the big players. We wanted it to be available to everyone in the industry, small, medium, large. And what is cybersecurity, John? Yeah, so it's not what you see in the movies where someone's sitting in a dark room with a hoodie trying to break in. The, the people doing it range from you know, young criminals who just buy some um, hacking equipment off the internet and, and start doing it to very organised crimes, you know, people who used to rob banks are now doing cyber attacks because there's more money in it. You can access people around the world and it's very little risk in being caught. It's not like walking into a bank with a, with a rifle or a gun. All the way to governments and big businesses doing it to get an upper hand Especially in the agribusiness, there's a lot of research development happening. Technology is turning farms into smart farms in order to make things more efficient and more productive. There's a global market for that and people want that information. So, John, why would anyone want to hack a farmer? It's basically how, how they make money. So sometimes they don't know that that person's a farmer. So take that young hacker who buys, you know, for a couple of hundred dollars, what could be called an email campaign, email hacking campaign. They get a product that they can send out and they get like 200,000 emails off the internet, which is accessible, you know, because they're sitting in Gmail and Yahoo and, and other publicly available email accounts. And they send that email out to everybody and whoever clicks on it is, uh, you know, part of that attack so the hacker gets into their system and they can do different things like stop them from being able to use their information or or um, equipment and ask for money to bring it back online so with the example that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast about the wool sales so a, a lot of farmers australian farmers uh, were impacted by that 
but that was a global, uh, more of a global um, assault, I suppose, or attack. So that was just they were unlucky to be caught up in that. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't look like it was a targeted attack. Um, so targeted attacks is where someone knows something about you and wants to use that information to get you to fall victim. Part of that could be uh, what's called a business email compromise. So whether you've got a bunch of suppliers that you do business with and money changes hands, they do quick research on, on you to see who you deal with. Then they pretend that they're one of the suppliers and they might say, hey, Joe, you know, we've changed our business account, our, our bank account, and can you start paying us in this new account? And that could be the hacker's account. So then you start paying lots of money into that account. And until the supplier says, hey, you haven't paid me the last three months, um, you don't know that you're paying in the wrong account. So sometimes these targeted attacks are a little bit more focused on you. So they call you by name, they know who your supplier is, and then you think that you're, you're talking to the right people. And does it always start with an email? No, not always, but that's the easiest way to do it. So the the um, criminals are finding the cheapest and easiest way to, to get to you. And if that works, on, in majority, it's like 10% return. So if you send it to 200,000 people, you've got a 10% return on that. And if you count you know, 2,000 people clicking and you're asking them to pay you thousands of dollars each, all adds up to a lot of money. But if they can't get to you that way, then they escalate and, and do it in a more sophisticated way. So it could be that business email compromise that I talked about, or it could be tailoring something to, to your business specifically, or even getting into your staff, being able to get data from them. So manipulating staff to get information rather than the technology itself. So what are the signs that farmers and producers and agribusinesses can look for? I think you, you just need to be aware of what could happen. So for email, that's probably the easiest and most dominant way. So what, what are the emails? What do these emails look like? What are you looking for? If it's a, a small business, you could do some self-help. So there's a government website called cyber.gov.au. And on there, it talks about, you know, how to protect yourself online if you're a mum and dad family with your kids if you're a small business, if you're a medium or large business, and you can get a lot more information from there. But yeah, it's about knowing what could happen and what you need to do about it. And just having an antivirus and uh, a long password is not going to cut it anymore. What do people need to do? Yeah, so it's not about being terrified, just being aware that this can happen. And I think now we've got more and more... Um, examples of what can go wrong and that, that agribusiness is, is not immune to it. So if you're a small company, you know, one or two people, some of the things you can do is just turn on the auto updates on your computer. So if you might, you might have a Microsoft Windows 8 or 10 and on there you can turn on auto updates. Hackers get in by finding a hole in those systems so what's called a vulnerability, if there's a way for them 
to get access to your computer and then find that hole, then they've got access to all your systems. So you can turn on those auto updates, which fix those holes or those vulnerabilities. Another thing you can do is work out what is your critical information that you need to do business. So who, the customer's data, the um, bank account details, things about your product that you have, like your if you have cattle, you know, what diseases have you tested for, information that you're sending up the chain to your people buying your product or in the supply chain, and back that up somewhere off your computer. So if you go to you know, JB Hi-Fi or Officeworks, you can get an external hard drive. Just put that information there and leave it away from the computer. So if something does happen, you can get access to it again. Yeah, some basic things like that. For the medium business, you're starting to look at a few hundred people working in your company. Now, who are they? Maybe do some background checks to make sure that you don't, you know, you don't have any trust issues with them or they're not working for a competitor. You can start documenting some of your processes. So an example would be on, on your um, factory floor, you've got a process on the production line and that's to make sure the quality is high and there's no safety issues to the staff. If you do something similar for cyber, uh, you know, how to find bad emails, uh, if someone tells you to change the bank account that you pay supplies to, what's the process? You might need a second pair of eyes to make sure that it's correct. You might have to call your supplier by by their telephone number that you've got on file and confirm that they're changing it. So change the process and make sure everyone's following it. And that helps to you know, get everyone in the business to do cyber security consistently. If you're a large organization, you're starting to talk about uh, having dedicated people to help you in this side of the, the business. So having two or three people focused on cyber security writing a strategy document. You might have businesses spread out across Australia or overseas. You want everyone to follow the same way of doing business rather than have different ways of doing it because all hackers need is one entry point. So you're trying to make sure you've covered all your bases. And, and then you start getting into you know, what your contracts look like with your IT provider, with your suppliers, are they doing the right thing? Because like we saw from the wool industry and, and more recently this year when the meat work incident, is it's probably not you know, the primary producer that gets impacted, it's someone up the chain, up the supply chain. So what do they do in order to protect their, their data and your information and your business? But often these global incidents do have an impact on on the much smaller producers, don't they? Yeah, I think once there's an incident, it, it has a trickle effect. So it's not just the major meatworks or the wool exchange that has the problem. It's everybody in that chain, you know, whether you're a transport company, a primary producer, a reseller, and staff not being able to work. So you, you start getting a, a very major impact from one entity in that chain suffering. Has COVID made it uh, impacted in this industry or, you know, on the level of threats at all? I think what it's done is pushed even more people to use technology and the hackers have, you know, utilised that. 
So if you think about pre-COVID, how many times you used your computer to talk to family, you know, we probably hardly ever did it, but then everyone started using Zoom, started sending more and more photos on Facebook and things like that. So you start using technology because your um, distances are pushing you apart. And in business is the same. A lot of businesses started doing things remotely rather than driving down the road to talk to people and relying more and more on your computers and applications that you use rather than doing it face-to-face. -face. So hackers know that and they think differently to us. So when we do business, we think of a you know, trustworthy way of doing it. They'll find a hole to turn it around and use it against us. And that's how they make their money. And John, you've been in this industry a long time. What does a hacker look like? Not physically, but how do they think? Yeah, so they're basically criminals. They, they used to rob banks or do, do fraud here and there or get people. You know, there, there was what's called the, the, the love fraud where you say, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in Sri Lanka or I'm in Z Zambia and send me some money and I'll come and meet you and we'll get married. You know, that's what criminals do. They find a way to make money. And these guys... Because um, people use technology, they started doing it against people at home, but now it's become more lucrative to do it against businesses. Because if you can't run your business and someone's asking you to pay thousands or even millions of dollars to get back and, and do your business, you're probably going to pay that or you're going to think about it if you can't do it yourself. The, the, these types of criminals know what works and what doesn't work. So, for example, five years ago, the um, what's called the ransom. So if I hack into your company, stop you from doing your work, I'll ask you to pay me $1,000, you pay it, and then you're back online. Now that money is not 1000 anymore. It's hundreds of thousands or millions because they know how critical it is for people to get back in business. It's the very worst of humankind, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, criminal behaviour has been around a long time and this is just giving them a better medium to get to everybody rather than, you know, getting out of their, the comforts of their home and, and going out there and doing it physically. It's much easier to do it online these days. And will they continue to become more sophisticated? Yeah, that depends on who's trying to attack you. And sometimes what we've seen is that the... Ways they do it is through persistence and through urgency. So if they say, hey, um, I'm, I'm returning some money to you because you've overpaid on your bill, but you only have the next 30 minutes to do it, otherwise you miss out, that urgency stops you from thinking clearly. You go, oh, yeah, okay, I, I want to get my $100 back. I'll click the link and I'll put my details in. Um, so that urgency might be escalated. So if you didn't do it, you might even get a phone call. And criminals you know, do it through persistence as well. And the more they persist, the more it sounds legitimate. So, um, yeah, the, the report talks through some of these examples and gives you ideas on how to protect yourself and what to do to help your business as well. And certainly there are things, as you say, the report shows that uh, there are things that people can do to protect themselves, farmers, producers, agribusinesses, and, and it's really a mindset, isn't it, to uh, not to be alarmed, but just to be aware that this could happen. Exactly. And 
we don't want everyone to take this report and say, okay, I'm not using technology anymore. That's not the idea. Every sector has gone through this technology transformation or digital transformation where technology starts helping your business uh, exponentially. You can't do it without it. It's more about being aware of what could go wrong and putting it in as you're putting the technology in. So understanding what can go wrong, taking steps to make sure it doesn't happen and, and you keep going. It's not about stopping what you're doing. Mm. In fact, if anything, um, you know, if the coming years, technology is going to be even more part of our lives, which is hard to believe. But I suppose you're saying that our security has to match that those advances in technology. Yeah, and, and what it's, this is called is security by design. So you're bringing a new technology in to transform your business. Just have security in the design of it so that you're not having to fix it later when things go wrong. Because the worst part of you know using technology is when your business stops, everything is in alarm, you know, you've got your suppliers screaming at you, your customers, your staff not knowing whether they've got a job. That's not a good place to be. If you put it in from the start while you're upgrading your business, chances are that's not going to happen. Or if it does happen, you've got a way to deal with it. Well, John Borchi, it's been fantastic, fascinating to talk with you today. And the report sounds really interesting. Cybersecurity threats, are we prepared? It sounds like mandatory reading for every farmer, producer and agribusiness. Yes, and the language is very simple. So don't be deterred by you know, the words cyber and threats and things like that. There's a lot of examples and a lot of you know, simple language to pick up the, the themes and to, and to learn from it. So, yeah, encourage everyone to take it up and read it. Thanks so much for your time, John. Thank you. That was Joe Mazzocchi speaking with John Borchi, BDO partner of cybersecurity and author of the report, Cybersecurity Threats, Are We Prepared? Thanks for listening today. My name is Steve Honor, and I look forward to talking to you next time. If you're interested in finding out more about ag tech and food innovations that are changing the future of Australian farming, make sure you listen to my weekly podcast on Evoke Ag. Until next time, have a great day.